there is this very specific time that if you put too much load into your bone, it is set up for failure. And that time usually comes three to four weeks out of a very aggressive bone loading period of time. So determining the optimal workload for your bone is different from somebody else. And it very much depends on your genetic factors, how you're built, the shape of your bone, how much mineralization occurs in your bone, but also your your progressive loadings into that bone as for are you overloading it? And more importantly, are you loading that bone during a time that it's trying to rebuild itself and it's actually in a weakened state? Welcome to Unsprained. I'm Dr. Lisa Erickson Brin, past medical for USA Climbing and a climbing specific medical provider. Do you currently suffer from a finger that is acting up again and again, or an injury that you just can't seem to get over? Well, join the crowd. There are so many of us, and I say us as well because I've also been there. I'm excited to help you with simple, actionable steps, downloadables, and things you can read as well as watch that are going to completely transform your self-care, your training, and add many, many more years to your climbing. I'm excited you've joined me. Let's get started. Welcome back again. This week is a fun week for Unsprained because we're not only talking about bone stress injuries and preventing them, but also just giving some feedback from different listeners that I've had. I'm so honored and thankful that you guys reach out. And last week, one of my listeners reached out and told me that she was so thankful that I had um, discussed the topic of over applying self-care and how that over application of really trying to force your body to heal and to rehab quicker and stronger and smarter, sometimes that backfires. And so um, I'm just so honored you guys are listening and that you thought that that was useful information. And especially, yeah, we do have to pay attention to some of you guys that do tend to overload your bodies and push yourselves hard in a rehab atmosphere because the goal of rehab is to load your body in a way that supportively helps to heal your body. And then we take a few days off or half a day off or however it is in your training plan. And the time off is where all of the improvements are made. Our body heals itself, it builds itself back stronger. And so those of you that are doing too much too often or too aggressive of self-care for too long, right? I'm thinking like vibrational tools that you're just really digging and being aggressive with. Sometimes those backfire and you do more harm than good. So definitely listen to your body and just thank you so much for that feedback that, that that was helpful for you because I am just so thankful that I'm able to make a difference in people's lives. So this week, the theory is stress injuries, overtraining injuries, and I'm focusing on bony stress fractures and bony injuries that we can learn from. And in rock climbing, a lot of us tend to have injuries where it's hard to tell where your pain is coming from. It might be that the muscle is loading into tendon and your injury is there at that junction. It might be you pull a muscle in which you cause some micro trauma to the muscle fiber itself. Or it might be where that tendon attaches down onto the bone or that ligament attaches onto the bone and we start to see injuries at inopportune times that 
invariably disrupt our training pattern, destroy our summer plans, and just throw a wrench in our overall understanding of where we are on our recovery cycle, our training cycle, or our having fun cycle. So this week, I'm presenting a little bit of information that was put out in the current osteoporosis report of 2021, June. Um, this article that I'm going through does not specifically deal with rock climbers. However, it's amazing how much information we can take from basic scientific research and apply it anywhere in the body. So with climbing, we have a lot of vibrational load, a lot of specific point force going into our fingers, into the ball of our foot on a, on a climbing specific um, angle or hold. And we need to make sure that we're not overloading ourselves. So bone stress injuries, we call them BSIs, they happen a lot. And understanding how our body remodels itself and rebuilds itself is the key to understanding how much training we can do, how much climbing we can do and not hurt ourselves. So where does that injury response start to happen? And with bone, it's fascinating because bone is this tissue that is alive and it's constantly grow, it's constantly remodeling itself and rebuilding itself for how we use it. And so in athletes, specifically climbers, when the magnitude or the amount of load that we put into our bone through what we call a tissue loading cycle, if we have too many loading cycles or too aggressive of loading cycles, we can end up with these injuries. So the biggest thing is just understanding the whole background on what's happening deep in our bodies and how some of us are more likely to have injuries than others. So let's delve into that. So this article I'm looking at is uh, a PT named Stuart Warden and also a PhD, uh, Brent Edwards, and then uh, Dr. Richard Willey. Um, and yeah, a study out of June of last year, 2021. And I love using new research because often whenever they're writing their new research studies, they go back and they look at all the past research studies that have been written and they link to them. So when you're interested, um, I pull this stuff off of PubMed and I just go through and look at all, all the different research out there. And then um, whichever one's kind of called to me. So I pulled this one up geez, about a week and a half ago. And it just really got me thinking. And there's just such great information out there that it's just presented in such a great way that I don't see many uh, climbers getting access to. So that's why I thought I'd just take this study uh, or this research uh, art uh, manuscript and break it down so that we can discuss it. So climbing, how do we injure our fingers? And the answer, which is going to seem like a duh to you, is that cumulative loading aspect. So we get with cumulative lo loading, repetitive vibration, repetitive impact, we get what we call bone fatigue. And what that is, is microscopic damage or micro damage deep in the bone tissue itself. Micro damage happens in all tissues, muscles, ligaments, as our body has this, this vibratory force or this impact force and, and it suffers from damage, it hopefully builds back stronger and better. Our bones build back stronger and better. 
Um, tendons tend, it depends how much load we put into them, but specifically with bone, when we have micro damage, it triggers this targeted remodeling response where our bone is actually broken down by cells called osteoclasts and they slowly start remodeling it into something that is stronger. And so these osteoclasts remove damaged bits of the bone and they replace them with healthy tissue that is stronger and more designed for how we use it. So in past studies of climbers, um, Chauffel had one, which was a research study based on juvenile climbers and adolescent climbers and the architectural response to climbing of all the load we put into our fingers. And the question in his research was, is this an acquired adaptation to climbing or is this a degenerative response that our kids are having at a younger age. And if you look at the bone and we'll discuss this a little later on in this podcast, but climbers have much more calcium in the long bones of our fingers than non climbers, because we are constantly loading that bone. We trigger targeted remodeling of the bone where the body goes in and builds itself back stronger. So Research does say that it can be argued that all of these bone stress injuries occur due to an error in workload. So we are having more damage occur quicker and faster than we're healing. And that is different in every single athlete. And it is not um, dependent on how good of a climber you are. Instead, it is dependent on how much damage you cause and physiologically, how are you built? So the actual dimensions of your bone, the actual amounts of how much calcium do you have in your bone, right? How thick, how strong is the exterior surface of your bone? And what is the dimensions of the interior of the bone where your bone marrow is? There are a few mathematical calculations they can throw out to accurately depict are you more likely to have a bone injury than someone else? So people with smaller bones, um, climbers who are more new to the sport, who haven't used their hands with loading it in sports that are similar to climbing, those people have more hand injuries. However, if you are a a worker bee and you're using a hammer all the time, you're, you're out in the road using vibrational tools, um, th- there are different supportive job choices you can have that will build up your hands and make you less likely have injuries in rock climbing. But when we have a bone stress injury, there has been an error where you have a higher workload than a healing load in these bones. And I myself am guilty of this to where I'm, I am either pushing myself in the repair phase of healing to where I get another fracture or Um, I'm applying too much vibrational load or too much aggressive force into my bones without preparing for it. So a lot of, a lot of what we know in sports medicine now is that these bones are living just like your muscles, just like your tendons, just like your heart pumping blood flow through your body. And the body doesn't like any sort of load that it's not used to. So if we can give you a nice, stable application of load as the weeks and months and years go on, you're much less likely to, to sustain an injury to your bone or your tendon or your muscles as if 
you take time off and, and you have these very aggressive phasic components of your training or your climbing where you go crazy in the fall and then you take time off in the winter and you don't climb at all. And then you go crazy in the spring and then you take the summer off. We see more injuries in those athletes that, that are not continuing to keep loading those bones. So if you do injure your bones, research shows that it takes approximately four weeks for this healing um, from micro damage to occur within bones. So when you activate these cells called osteoclasts to, to start rebuilding your injured bone, and then first it starts to reabsorb the injured bone and then replace new bone, we see that it takes about four weeks for the body to start breaking up the, the old damaged bone and then replacement with new bone can take three months up to a full year for full mineralization of bone thereafter. So in this process is much longer in the bones of our hands, trabecular bone versus other, uh, like spinal bones or, or bones that, that are not these long bones. So that's interesting why we have longer healing times. So you're just thinking back to clinically clients that I've had, I've had a few youth climbers that have, and climbers in their twenties that have had stress fractures in their fingers. And it's stressful because it takes a long time for these things to heal. And for the average fracture, when we start thinking bone fractures for full body, we say four to six weeks up to two months. And now we're you know, speaking, um, climbing specifically into our hands, these, these bones of our hands, it can take way longer than that. So four weeks just for our body to turn on the cells that are activated, these osteoclasts to go in and start breaking up the injured bone. And we see this on x-rays. So if you think you just sustained a fracture to your finger and you go in and you have an x-ray, it may not show up on your x-ray. So it takes two weeks for your body to activate these osteoclastic cells where they start to break down the bone. And what we'll see on your x-ray is we'll see this line start to appear as your body slowly starts to break up the damaged tissue and then it starts to rebuild that space. So on x-rays, in the first two weeks, we may not see a dang thing. And then at the two week line, we see this line start to appear. And for some of you, it can take four weeks for that line to nicely appear. And so, yeah, it's a much longer process with bone than we would hope it to be. <laughs> That's just the way it goes, especially if you are not a juvenile and, it, and you don't have that human growth hormone to heal fast. So that's where when we do find a break, we keep checking in on it, re-x-raying it till we know that you are safe to, to return to the sport. So, okay. So talking remodeling timelines, we now know, yeah, four weeks, and then it can take up to three week, three months to a year for it to heal. So for many of us as climbers, it's hard for us to know if we're at that, that risky zone of sustaining an injury. And this research paper that I found really depicted it very nicely as for when you have a high amount of load going into your bone and your body is trying to remodel it, that is the worst time to go on a crazy climbing trip or to go start doing crazy dinos onto fingers that are already sore and achy because it's the perfect storm of injury. So 
if you were to learn one thing on today's podcast, and I hope if you're if you're playing with your pen or if you're driving and you're you're going around corners, pull over and just this is so important. But bone stress injuries, for those of you that have had a few of them or are worried about them, they begin to appear approximately three to four weeks after a major workload error. Okay, so if you went crazy on a climbing trip and three or four weeks ago, and now you're gonna go into the gym and start doing aggressive dinos, if you are predisposed to bone stress injuries, um, or you've had them in the past, or you're at that phase where your growth plates are starting to fuse and harden, now is not the time to be pushing yourself aggressively. So kind of looking at your training plan, right? We, when we have these injuries, it's a perfect time to step back and look at what happened. What did I miss, right? And first, we're kind of sad for a bit it's about, oh, the season didn't go as planned. But then you can really step back and start to pick away at, how did you approach the season? How did you approach your injury? What did you acquire and how did you get injured and what were we missing, right? So for those of you that are chronically injured, I push you to one, pay attention to the loads you're putting into your body. Are you applying too much load too often? Two, for those of you specifically that have bony stress injuries, it's a perfect timing to look back through your numbers, through your um, calendar and see, did the injury show up maybe perhaps a month, three to four weeks after a major, uh, a, a major awesome trip that I did or where I was really doubling up. And, and this is a perfect time to look at not only your climbing in the gym or your, your climbing outside on the weekend, but also if you're doing hangboard, if you're doing moon, um, tension board, all that stuff, add it together and look at it is a big picture because often uh, the athletes I have that grace my office that are injured, we tend to compartmentalize our training and not realize that all of it is one big picture. And we can't just say, oh, well, I did hangboarding on this day and then I did crimping on these other days. And then I, you know, I took one day off for the week and my fingers should be healed. Um, if you step back big picture, you may be using your, your specific bony points or tendony points too much in a row. So um, absolutely stepping back and looking at your calendar and looking at your training load and making sure we're not making those errors, especially in a calendar situation, because again, these bone stress injuries begin appearing approximately three to four weeks following a major workload error. So in that uh, little stat came from a military-specific research article following um, guys at boot camp and then their stress fractures and where in the heck are all these stress fractures coming from. So that one, if you're more interested in learning about that, is uh, from an article titled Stress Fracture Injury in Young Military Men and Women. Um, and that came out of the Bone Journal in 2004. And it's been cited in an awful lot of different um, different articles. So that's uh, Armstrong et al. on that one. So super important to know, right? Because if we're not paying attention to those things, then we have a problem. So if we have optimal workload of how much we put into our bodies to build back stronger, we're not getting these injuries. Instead, we're getting skeletal adaptions where our body builds back stronger and better for climbing. And we do see these on x-rays of climbers fingers. 
a lot of you guys, your bone is thicker and stronger. And that is, that's definitely a bonus, but just keep in mind that not all athletes have good skeletons. And it's a presumption for most of us that most athletes that, that uh, climbers specifically that are regularly exposed to climbing are going to have stronger bones, but that is not always true. And some of us, uh, definitely need to just pay attention to that and keep in mind that there's also a genetic component. There's also a dietary component. And since we're on the topic of diet, Uh, there's definitely a tie between bone fractures and having too low of vitamin D. And so if you're someone that has had bone fractures or you tend to get them or they run in your family, may not be a bad idea to have your blood checked to see what your vitamin D levels are, because that is something that we can definitely um, give you supplementation for. But If you haven't had your blood tested, I don't want you going out and taking vitamin D because it can actually build up to toxic levels. I myself don't store vitamin D. Maybe it's a genetic, who knows what it's from, but I myself have to take supplements. So with my last fracture, I get fractures, which is why I'm interested in this topic. Um, But with my last fracture, I realized that I ran out of vitamin D about a year ago and stopped adding it in. So perhaps that increased my risks. So just going back to loading and your body building up that strong, there was a very interesting research study on baseball players and how much their bone builds up. And they did a study on comparing their pitching arm with their non-pitching arm and noticed that there is so, uh, the research studies show that there's so much more bony adaption, thicker bone on their dominant side. So if you're someone who played one-arm sports in the past and you tend to have injuries on your non-dominant side, just keep in mind that we are what we do. We are what we eat. We are what we build ourselves up to be. So if you were to go do some crazy dyno on your your left hand, if you're right-handed, you could very well have a catastrophic failure if you're expecting it to be as strong as the other side. And so that's what... Um, this really cool study on baseball players showed was that if the same throwing related force was introduced on the contralateral side, so if they're right-handed, if they were to throw with that same force on their opposing side, that they could have a major injury. So what can we do for our bodies? There are definite benefits of adding in a loading program to build you up for climbing so you're not, so you're not getting finger injuries, bony injuries. In terms of risk factors, uh, an animal study showed a small gain in bone mass induced by a loading program and let's see here, what else does it say? A large gain in bone fatigue resistance as a result. So if we can induce a certain amount of load week in, a week out in your off season, and after you've had an injury, get you back to a base strength, then your injury goes way down. And what we've learned is we could just increase the exterior strength of the bone by 4%, and that will increase the what, what are the keywords there? Bone fatigue resistance by like 25%, plus or minus a few percentage, but it's a huge difference. 
So that is really, really cool for building that up. So as for building up your bone, one of the best things we can do is use periodization training. And that is a huge, huge buzzword in most forms of training for climbing. I'm sure you've heard of it before, but over a season, your bone cells can lose sensitivity over, over a large block of training. So we want to slowly um, apply bits of load here and there to start building them up. So when routine bone loads are high, then a greater stimulus is required to create that, that additional momentum to get them to build up stronger. So for you, if you're someone that suffers from bone injuries or you're worried about it, instead of working all the time, day in, day out on building up bone, kind of correlates to, to what we were talking about earlier of some people are working too hard, too aggressively on themselves. Instead, I'd rather have you doing these progressive loads and then take a little bit of time off and then progressively loading into it again. What we've learned is that if we use periodization, we have a greater bony response in a positive way. So instead of using a 15 week load, says one study, okay? So they compared a 15 week load versus a periodized approach where they did two five week blocks separated by a five week quote unquote rest period. What they noticed is that if you just keep pushing, you don't have the bony response it's almost like your body gets used to it and stops paying attention. But if you take time off and then you come back to it and hit it again, there is more of a mechano sensitivity of those bones. You have a better response to building those loans, but those bones back stronger. So during the rest period, the rest period would involve other conditioning activities. You could do TRX, you could do cycling, you could do, geez, parkour, whatever you want to do that, that is not, um, climbing specific or, or vibrational specific into those bones. So I absolutely love that these studies educate us on this because they're, we don't, as athletes, often we don't know what to do as for, well, do I just keep loading and just keep increasing the load as the weeks go on? Or do I in, in, include a seasonality to my climbing where I climb in the fall, take the winter off, climb in the spring, take the summer off? Who wants to take the summer off? So in regards to bone, as with, I'm just thinking out loud here, your tendons and the injuries we get in our pulleys, hangboarding, that kind of thing. This periodization training works across the board for all the injuries that we see as for giving it a benefit. And then that time off allows things to heal. So I would recommend doing this in all of the different forms that you do for training for climbing because that five week rest. So two five week blocks of training and then a five week rest gives it a break. So that is something I recommend, especially if you're starting to get hot, puffy fingers or irritated fingers. So just kind of think that through. If you were to step back and look at your calendar, right, where would you put that rest in and what would that rest look like? And it might look like you're climbing on more slab and less overhang, or it might look like you're swapping away from climbing and doing something that is a little more gentle on your fingers per se, but still using your shoulders 
which is why I absolutely love TRX um, and different activities like that. So one thing for those of you that are climbers, you've been climbing your whole life, especially starting at youth, we start to see those of you that start climbing at a very young age, what we've found is the years from birth to the pre-pubital growth period is where most of the bone mass is acquired. So those of you that are very specifically only loading in a certain way, the bone builds for that. And then we have more injuries in other sports. So let's say you decide as a, as a youth that you just want to focus on swimming or cycling or running. Um, those youth that, that focus on that end up with low bone mass. And if they decide to become runners, then we don't have that buildup that someone that specialized in climbing from the get go would have. So just another thing to, to think about as, as a climber specifically. So bone size, the shape of our bones really affects the likelihood of our bones to be injured. And there's a beautiful little uh, drawing on this, and I'll put a link to it on the podcast, um, all the wordage on the podcast. But whenever we're measuring the strength of our bone, we calculate the radius of the exterior of the bone. We calculate the radius on the interior of the bone. And then they definitely calculate the mineral content of the bone and compare that with how much inertia is going into the bone. So that calculation, even just a little bit more of the bone mineral contents results in a disproportionate increase in strength of like 24%. It's huge, assuming that the interior of the bone remains the same. So fascinating if we can just build it up a little bit. So I, I will put those on onto the, uh, yeah. I'll put all that into the show notes. So it's fascinating as you start to look at, well, then what can I do? So I can add periodization in. Um, I can change when I apply all the loads, right? So three to four weeks after an aggressive effort, I'm not pushing myself very hard for the next week or two at the gym or outside. And then also building back that bone, building that bone stronger just sitting around holding on to things is not going to build our bone. We need shock load. We need vibration. Um, I've been reading research on vibration plates, which is fascinating. I haven't seen any on hands, but if you were to say sit on a vibration plate, they found that your spinal bone builds up really nicely and it's nice and thicker. Um, so that's something to consider as, as a climber is other ways of building up our bones without um, absolutely destroying them. So fun, different things to think about as an athlete. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. If you have any questions, it sure would be fun that you guys can audio record them and then send them over to me and I will include them in a future podcast. I absolutely love when you guys think outside the box and you guys do tend to ask questions that I've never thought about. So if you have a question or you want to shoot me a little audio recording, um, you can shoot that over to Dr. Lisa Bryn, DC at gmail.com or sorry at, yeah, gmail.com. And I am happy to include that in a future episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye.
If you're stuck in your self-care and you do not have a local doctor who specializes in climbing injuries, I'm happy to help you virtually through my clinic. You can book yourself in at climbinginjuriesolved.com and I will meet with you virtually where you can point to your injury. I'll lead you through steps of how to load it and we'll go through the in and outs of everything you do in your daily routine, in your climbing and in your self-care to make sure that this absolutely heals up and your injury risks of having it happen again are down towards zero. Book yourself in at climbinginjuriesolved.com and click a new patient visit. And if you have x-rays, MRIs, or if you want to know what's going on in there and want them to be ordered, this is the perfect next step. But also, if you're happy working through it on your own, I have plenty of free material through my website, YouTube videos, The Climbing Doc, and I'm just honored you're listening. I hope you share my episode if you find it to have been helpful. And thank you so much for joining me. Have a beautiful day.